Kaboom! Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the golden age of baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. If you've been in the hobby for more than a day, then you know how fast the sports card market moves. There are now more options than ever to buy, sell, and research your cards. One of the most frustrating hurdles in the hobby is the fees when selling your cards. You know, those other popular marketplaces, the ones with their average seller transaction fee of 10%, the ones that don't have the seller's interest in mind. Wait, what? Who would do that? Well, hold on to your horses. No, not those horses. Welcome to the Card Flip, a place where we want to provide a simple alternative to buying and selling cards. No clutter, just you, graded cards, sealed wax, and the easiest of transactions. So what do you say? Are you in? Great! Welcome to the Card Flip, the seller's marketplace. Yo and hello everybody, Mike here, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast. Like I just said, I'm your host, Mike Moynihan, and you know, <laughs> we're in June now, by the way, as we're recording this, this will be released in early June. Let me tell you, it's getting close. Uh, huge news for the hobby, if you're still hiding under a rock, is that the National is happening. It is happening on time. It is happening apparently without restrictions on attendance, and you don't have to worry about you know, time slots and all kinds of stuff. So that is fantastic news. I'm super excited. And if you've never been to a national before, it's definitely something you should put on your hobby bucket list without a doubt, because it's an experience like any, unlike any other, let me tell you so much fun. I can't wait to go to Chicago in about eight weeks. Uh, so yeah, that's coming up. Another thing is that, you know, my YouTube channel, for all of you listening on podcast, I'm, a, I'm part of the Bench Clear Media Network and have been for a year now. And we just celebrated our one year anniversary. Thank you to everybody that's been supporting the podcast and the reviews and everything that people do. If you want to go do that, that'd be great. But really just appreciate everybody listening and the feedback that I get, the emails, the encouragement, really, really helpful, really, really grateful for that. Uh, I'm going to start doing more content back on my uh, old YouTube channel called Baseball Collector. Really difficult name to remember, but I've got tons and tons of videos there and going to start doing some more regular content over there and just kind of do both. I'm going to have stuff that I put out here on BenchClear and stuff that I put out over on the Baseball Collector channel. But the Podcasts will always be a part of Bench Clear Media. So you'll always find Golden Age of Cardboard here, either on YouTube or if you're just listening to podcasts, just you know, subscribe, download, unload, whatever you need to do to make that make sure you're getting the notifications of when the new podcasts are coming out. 
I do apologize also for not being as consistent with the podcast as I'd like to be. My goal is to make this a weekly show. Unfortunately, last week I got hit with a stomach bug. I had food poisoning. And so the couple of days I had kind of scheduled to record <laughs> this or my last episode uh, just didn't happen. I was literally in bed feeling like crap. So that didn't happen. And then the weekend before that was the Dallas card show. So just really busy and then sick. So I'm sorry about not being as consistent as I should be. <coughs> and that I know you guys really appreciate the consistency of podcasts looking for. I know I do when I listen to podcasts, looking forward to a certain day and hoping that that person has delivered some new content for me to consume. So I really apologize. My goal is to try to be a, either Wednesday or Thursday every week. And just going to try to do better. That's all I can say. Uh, but tonight I'm going to talk about a topic that I think is super helpful for every collector out there. And that's the idea of having projects. And it's a, it's a concept and an idea that I've pretty much lived out my 40 years in this hobby is I always have a project going. And this isn't a topic that I think needs to just be my voice only. So I have a, a guest tonight. I think this is his first time on my podcast, but I will tell a story about this guy here in a second, but let me bring him on. And it's none other than Ray Fonio, Ray from Philly on YouTube. What's up, Ray? Hey, Mike, how you doing? You know, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I have to tell a story about you. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I don't know how many years ago now, but you were my first friend in the content creation world. Yeah. The first person I talked to, the first person that I connected with when I, when I first started creating content, I, I was a consumer of content and watching other people's stuff and enjoying it and all that. And I'm like, you know, I have some pretty cool stuff. Maybe I'll start doing some you know, videos. I do have a face for radio, which is really good that I have this podcast, but I wanted to make content. I wanted to show off some stuff. Never in a million years did I think that idea would blossom into all the great people that I've gotten to meet and, and know. And you were the first one. And when I first talked to you that first time, uh, Julie thought I was nuts. My wife thought I was nuts. She's like, who are you talking to? I said, Ray from Philly. And she's like, who's Ray from Philly? You know, who's this creepy, you know, Italian guy from Philadelphia. And I'm like, well, he's, he's actually a good guy. And, and it just, you know, you and I have been friends ever since. I don't, again, I don't know how many years ago that was. What do you think? Uh, six, 2015. Oh my gosh. Time flies. You're uglier than you used to be six years ago. <laughs> you know that? I I've only know. gotten. I know I've only gotten better looking, so that's good. But no, you know it's it does fly. Time does fly, oh God, and yeah. I, I just want you to know before we get started, I appreciate your friendship and you know Likewise. all the long yeah. conversations on the phone about <laughs> cards and doing videos together and everything, and yeah. it's uh. It's, it's the coolest part of the hobby. We say it all the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. So projects, man. When we talk about projects in the hobby, it's the, I think it's the lifeblood of a collector. Like if I was to say, 
what's the one thing that keeps you going? It's always having projects. It's always having things to look for. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. It sets goals for you. It, it's, it makes you strive for something yeah. or, or else it would be boring. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't even imagine being the type of collector that just randomly picks stuff up, right? That just, <laughs> oh, I'll just maybe I'll buy this today or right. maybe I'll buy that today. That that would drive my OCD brain nuts, right? Yeah, and you got to have, I always say you should have some sort of structure and because um, this way it, it keeps you focused and it's like putting a part of a puzzle together and it keeps you focused on that because if you're just all over the place and number one, you'd be spending an outrageous amount of money when you don't have structure and then there's just no rhyme or reason to it. <laughs> so uh, that's where the PSA set registry comes in. We said that Remember, the first time we talked, we said the PSA set registry is like, what? Crack. crack. It's, crack. <laughs> it's total crack. really bad. Uh, all right. So if somebody's out there and they're thinking, okay, I get the idea of projects or, you know, maybe I want to start a project or something. What, what advice would you maybe give some people in terms of selecting a project? Cause there's so many different ways this could go and we'll go into some of it, but how do you even start? What do you think? Well, how I started was when I came across that book for Mike Payne, uh, 300 great baseball cards. And, um, that just kind of, yep. Yeah, that just kind of, you know, struck, made me strive for something like that. So if it's a book that you read, or if it's just, um, something that is memento to you when you grew up, uh, 500 home run club, that sort of thing, or 3000 hit club, it's something that you can connect with. So that you want to make sure that's something that you don't want to just go into a project just for the sake of going into this project. I think you should have some sort of connection with that project, with that set, something that from your childhood that you remember if it's a team or whatever, um, that definitely is the, at least gets you started on knowing what kind of project you want to do. What would you say was your connection with the 300 great cards of the 20th century set? Um, just watching YouTube and people talking about this book. And uh, I found a book on um, Amazon. And uh, next thing you know, uh, I saw that there was a set registry. And I went to a show after I bought the book. And a dealer told me, why don't you do a set registry? I didn't even know what a set registry was. And I went into the PSA website. And lo and behold, I saw that book in a set registry. And then it just took off from there. Uh, you know, you, it's like a puzzle. You just keep wanting more and more and more. But it's fine because it gives you something to strive for on that on that book. And it makes you feel like you're completing something that is worthwhile and something that you can connect with as well. So I, I heard it from people like you and a couple other YouTubers. They were talking immensely about this book. And then I just went into it and found out about it. And then once you start that, you see all the other ones. It's really ironic because that it was the first big project that I ever did as well. Mm -hmm. And I, when I read the book, look, everybody would agree there are cards in there that you kind of scratch your head about, oh, you yeah. know, the Oscar Gamble card or the Kurt I'm trying Bifakwa. to think Kurt Bifakwa blowing bubbles. Yeah. The is it 76 tops or 77 tops? For uh, that. For Bavacqua, I think it's 76. 
So point being, it, it's not like, like what I call those the 300 great cards. No, maybe not, but most of 280 of them, I would probably say oh, yeah. are, are the greatest cards of the 20th century. And what I loved, loved about it was it allowed me to go, all right, where do I even start with vintage? Cause when you're going into vintage, you're like, what do I even start doing? And for me that, like you said earlier, gave me some focus and I went, yeah, I'd love to own all of these. Like I looked at the list and went, yeah, I'd love to own those cards. Those are classic, iconic, whatever superlative you want to use for it, mm -hmm. cards in the hobby. And so I totally, or at least in the baseball hobby. So I totally gravitated towards it. And at first I did them raw. I was starting to do the set raw. Mm -hmm. And what scared me is, as I got thinking going further and further, I first started going, all right, I'm going to start from 1960 to 19. It goes through 1999. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'll just do everything from 60 on because I thought everything before that was going to be way out of my price range. Right. And so I said, okay. So even within the project, I, I narrowed it and whittled it down to part. I said, okay, I'm just going to do, ironically, there's a hundred and I want to say 151 cards post 1960 and 149 cards before. So that's literally half the set pretty much. And so I said, I'm going to do that. Focus on that. And what, doing it raw. I'm like, well, now I'm going to, I want to start buying some of these older things. And I didn't want to get, even with even some of the 60 stuff, mantles and whatnot, I was mm -hmm. like, I even buying a real card here. Mm -hmm. You know, even as long as I've done it, I was concerned about authenticity of the card. Not even necessarily the numerical grade at that point. Yeah. It was more, that was, man, really am I getting, yeah. am I getting the real deal here? And so then I went to P started doing PSA stuff. And then I started doing the registry uh, this is the longest running project that I've ever done in the hobby. I've been doing it now for 10 years. Yeah. Me um, too. I've been doing it for six, six years. Yeah. It's crazy Yeah, to think I've been working on a project that long and I'm still nowhere and I'll never finish that. Actually, maybe this is something we should talk about now. Projects don't have to be something that you're going to finish quickly. Bingo. Right? right. The whole, the whole, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, I did finish my 1960 top set quickly as a project, mm -hmm. but most pro I want I want projects that are kind of lifelong, that are that are longer term. Not necessarily. That's not necessarily true that I want them to last the rest of my life, but I don't want them just to be right. over in a flash and, and easy to complete. But there's nothing wrong with that either, I suppose. But right. I do like the. You know, I just picked up my 232nd card of the top three, 300 great cards. And I still need 68 more, which is going to cost me, you know, a house, right? Yeah. Well, I'll never uh, have it because the Wagner, right? But right. Um, yeah, I agree with everything we, you just said. The people should look at, like, I've had many people ask me, how long do you think it'll take to finish? I'm like, I'm not looking to know when to finish the whole purpose of the set is is the is the search the joy of the search is what you know not so much finishing it people i think get this in reverse they think doing the project the, the goal is to finish it I, I mean it is to finish it but the primary goal i think is this is the uh the search for it that's the whole fun part of it you yeah. know and then getting it filled it for certain positions certain slot you know it yeah, I don't want it to last a lifetime, but I would have no problem taking on a project that's going to be, you know, 10 years or 12 years or whatever. 
the whole joy of the whole putting the project together is is putting it together not more so finishing it because once you're finished you're like what do i do now right so the cool other cool thing about projects is they're incredibly diverse i mean you can pretty much imagine anything that you want to collect so let me give some people some categories of things to think about with projects you can do let's say you're a team guy you love teams you can do their hall of fame yeah you can do you know every player from a certain year that they won the world series let's say or you know that was just memorable for you because of your childhood whatever uh you so there's so many ways you can just do a team run like a team set a team project i know bunches of guys that do their favorite team and they're trying to get every tops card even you know just raw even like do a binder project where they're trying to get every card printed base card of that team i think that's a phenomenal project if you love that team and to look through the because it's all history right you're looking through the cardboard history you know the team history oh i remember that guy and i remember that player and i remember when that guy hit a home run and beat them yankees or whatever those types of things so team oriented stuff is really awesome mm -hmm. then you've got so that's a category right and then you've got a category of uh players you can do players, whether it be your favorite player and they have what's important to remember. Maybe you can talk about this is the difference maybe Ray between like a base tops run or a complete player, you know, project. What are the major differences yeah. there? Well, for example, uh, I'm doing Jim Palmer right now. Uh, you can do the basic tops run, which is, from his rookie year to his last year of just tops. And then after basic tops run, they have basic run, which would be all of his base cards, whether it could be tops, Donner's Fleer, uh, score, whatever was out at that time. And then after the basic run is master set, which is everything that that guy is on, whether it's ERA leader, all-star card, wins leader, everything that that guy is on. And it might even include, after, you know, after his playing days it could be after and not just his playing days so um i kind of stick with the basic tops run uh, because it's it, when you do the basic run for example uh, his palmer's last card's 84 so you might have to get not just not just the 81 tops but his donners and fleer so it's just more cards and i think tops is the, probably just the, the most significant anyway so uh, I, I just stick with that. But yeah, I mean, people can go with tops, the basic run, which is all base or master, which is everything that that guy's on. Yeah. And I love that there are multiple choices for any given player. And it doesn't have to be just Hall of Fame players, right? Mm -hmm. There are, you can do player runs of non Hall of Famers too. Yeah. Um, and I know we're talking a lot about PSA set registries, but obviously that's not the only way. To do a project it doesn't have to be well only do something if it's a psa set registry that's not true at all you can have a blast doing like i said all the tops cards just raw for a team or even for a player um don't feel like you have to do something that's only because it's a psa set registry right. but let's but we both love the psa set registry 
and in some cases we're probably slaves to it to a degree but what do you find what's attractive to you about using a psa set registry versus just tracking it yourself it makes it more fun uh because uh, they have a ranking system in there as well so you can come it you could look at other people around the country or around the world to see how they're doing uh, you, if you have friends that you want to have get involved and you have a friendly competition with that person um, and then you could just it, it also is gives you kind of an inventory of everything that is that you have in that set and what you need and then also the other uh, advantage of being in the, the set registry is that if you're looking for a certain car you can click on the player that you need and it takes you to you know a shop section where you could see what's up for sale so it's right in front of you it's right there but you know like i agree it doesn't have to be just psa i mean it could be raw if you want to do it raw uh, you know a lot of people collect sets and just collect raw cars which i'm starting to get into myself now as well um but yeah i mean i, I like the set registry because it's right in front of you um, you can keep track of what you have you can have a friendly competition of ranking in, in there and you can shop for the cards right there instead of like searching for it or doing your own search it's pretty much right in front of you thank you yeah, make it easy for you they certainly do the another advantage for me using the registry is when you put a card into your inventory it you track when you bought it you can right. put a scan in there of it you can put how much you paid for it and it, and it just kind of tracks all that and it's pretty easy it's also they got the app right so if you're at a card show or whatever and I, oh do i need that jim palmer card for example of the using the set you were talking about you can just pull up your set right there and go yep i need that one for or i don't need that one i already got it thank goodness right. as much as we'd like to think we remember everything we in the moment you know i've done it many, plenty of times where i bought a card that i already had because oh i'm sure i don't have this you know for sure i don't have it and then I get home and I'm like, crap, there's money I could have spent on something else, you know, and not that you can't resell it or whatever, but it's just, I'd rather not do that <laughs> if I can avoid it and make that mistake of buying a card multiple times. Right. On and accident. We talked about you know, last night about it also keeps track of how much you put into that set, yeah, which was scary. And then yeah. it, it shows you the value the current value um as best as it can um it might be a little bit behind on some some cards but at least for the most part you can kind of get a pretty decent idea all right this is what i put into it this is what it's worth now and it's just so advanced these days it's it's just like i said it's right in front of you and it's uh, a blast it's what makes it crack cocaine right so <laughs> It's totally crack. <laughs> you know, I've done plenty of raw projects where I've just wanted to collect a certain set or like I'm doing the 2001 Fleer greats of the game autograph set and great set. you know, they're not, they're not slabbed. They're all, well, a few of them are, but not intent. Like I'm not doing a slabbed version of the set. I'm just doing a, I just want to get them all. And so I track all of that stuff when I can't use the registry as a, as a tool to help me track that i have a, a spreadsheet with literally every different project that i'm working on at any given time and so 
I'm always referencing that using that. What sucks about it having a spreadsheet is I know I could put it on a Google Doc or put it on the you know Google Drive and I could go look at it during a show. Um, but we're I'm, I have a massive like if it's simple, you pro that's probably very easy to do. Mine is much more complex, and so. I don't do that. What I do when I go to a show is I'm usually printing out different things that I'm wanting to look for different lists of cards. And then I'll take that to the show with me and have it as a reference, but you can use spreadsheets. You can use mm -hmm. again, Google, um, Google sheets or whatever to track your projects. The set registry just makes it super easy. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. way easier. And what's what I've done with the set when I've had a card, let's say, uh, any given card, I will um, go look at that card and it'll tell you what other sets you could start, what other projects essentially, if you wanted to, for example, let's say you have a yeah. certain Hank Aaron card. Let's say you have Hank Aaron's rookie. Well, that card would fit in. Well, if you were doing a Hank Aaron run, that would be handy. Post-war hall of fame, rookie cards, nice. uh, 500 home run MVP winners, yeah. world series winners, uh, I mean, you name it, right? All-star appearance. There's so many different ways that card could be used in, in a certain set that uh, 300 great cards, by the way, that's in that set. And so it tells you all the different things that that card could be a part of. Right. I, I noticed that too recently when I add a card to the inventory and then after I add the pictures of front and back, it'll show you below the picture existing set or view set. And I'm like, wow, I thought I was just going to add it to this one set. And there's three or four other things that I can add it to that I'm already in all-star cardboard memories, whatever it is. I'm like, Oh, all right. Like a hall of fame players. And I just add it to that. And then without even thinking or without the intention of adding it to them, like I knew it was for say post-war rookie. And then it tells you that, Hey, you, you're in these three other sets that you can add it to this set as well without even knowing 50 greatest sluggers. It's, it's just amazing. Really a lot yeah, of fun. It, it really is. And I love the flexibility that, you know, a single card can be in multiple different projects. Mm -hmm. And for the people that might be wondering, no, I don't, if I have five projects that that card could be a part of, I don't buy them five times. Uh, once is enough for me anyway. And yeah. And, and so we talked about category, basic categories. We'll go back to that real quick. We've got, um, you know, teams, players, you've got, you could do award winners, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's MVPs or Cy Young winners or silver sluggers, silver sluggers all-stars, like I said, World Series MVPs, all-star game MVP. I mean, I'm telling you, you can't think of something that either probably doesn't already exist, uh, but it's like I one of my favorite things is the all-star game. I love the all-star game. So a project of all-star game MVPs would be, mm -hmm. you know, and what would be cool is to, you know, I think that set, you could do a project where you try to get their base tops card from the year they won the all-star game MVP, mm -hmm. you know, something just thinking outside the box, just make it fun. Make it, I think that's super important. That's a great point you made about making it something that you're going to enjoy right. and, and we, you're going to like. We talked years ago, we, we, we were thinking of uh, our birth year 
Uh, yeah. I did the 73 Tops Hall of Fame. I started working on the 67 Tops Hall of Fame. Yes, I was born in 67. Um, and you got the <laughs> what you're doing, the Decade Hall of Fame, which, you know, falls in line when I do the player runs. So I didn't even realize that until when I was adding my bench cards for the bench run. You know, all the cards from bench that I did in the 70s could go into the 70s Decade Hall of Fame. So, yeah, Decade especially with the prices of vintage and not just modern, but a lot of big time vintage cards are going up the past year and a half since the pandemic started. And so the sets that you and I are in right now, like the 300, you know, once we get to a high number of what we have accumulated on that set, it's going to get more and more expensive. You start hitting like the mantles and the Wagners and Matthewsons, and then it gets outrageous. So you start seeing that, Okay, I can't. I used to get thirty cards a year for this set. Now it's like five or three. So you start looking for other vintage ways to collect. And uh, you and I talked about this: the player runs or a decade Hall of Fame set is phenomenal. It's uh, still fun because you want to make it fun. You don't want to just do something that's boring. It's still fun, and it's not going to kill the bank. So if you did say the seventies decade, you'll get you know, K-Lines and Gibsons and Clementes from the early 70s, you're getting Hall of Fame players and they're vintage and they're not going to, it's not going to kill you. I mean, it's not going to be massively cheap, but it's a lot better than uh, trying to get something from pre-war from the 300 set or really top-notch post-war rookies. So there's other ways that people are out there. I can't afford this set. There's, there's, there's vintage things to collect and, it'll still be fun and still be somewhat affordable. Yeah. I think two points there that I want to make sure and emphasize for everybody out there that the idea of having a project can blossom into another project. It can manifest itself into another project Easily and, and evolve. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is great. And the other thing is as you get to a certain point in a project, it starts getting, it starts slowing down typically. Right. And so for me, having literally dozens and dozens of projects going on simultaneously at any given time, that just gives me a way to, to shift, you know, okay, I'm not finding any of these out there. Let me, let me go look for these for a little while. And then let me go look for these. And that keeps it fresh for me in terms of the hobby because not everything's up all the time as much as even in the last two years, as much as vintage and modern and everything has gone up like autographs haven't really right. I know. appreciated tremendously. And so I've been kind of looking for autograph stuff, The hard, but then it just gets hard to find sometimes. Right. So that's where patience comes in. I think if you're going to be a project guy, you better damn well be patient because the card you're wanting and even you're finding it with these player runs because you're wanting certain grades for certain years, you know, and they're just not out there. I heard you say it the other day on one of your videos. You're like, I just, I really want this card in an eight and I can't find camera. It was a Palmer card, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, I can't find it out there. And I've, I'm having, you know, we, it's, it's a common problem, I think for anybody that's kind of project minded. Right. And the reality is, Believe it or not, if you're a collector, you're project minded mm -hmm. because rarely does the collector just do things haphazardly. We all might end up with some things in our collection haphazardly that 
just are random, but by and large, most of us that have that mindset are a, we're completionists, which means we're also totally anal about an OCD about our collections and then go OCD. That's me. <laughs> and things have to be in a certain place. And man, I, I need it to all be right. And again, all of that's, if, if you feel that way out there, you're very normal. <laughs> like yeah. as, a, as a collector, you're, you're quite normal. It's okay to be that way. And it actually keeps you from just having a complete chaotic mess yeah. in your collection. You, yeah. you, use the, you use the word focus and that's a huge word in the hobby, right? You want to stay focused as much as you can, right. but having multiple projects allows me to shift that focus. You know, right. I can ying when everybody else is yanging or whatever, but, uh, and I think the most important thing also too, is that when someone starts a project, they, they get into sometimes this weird, uh, obsession where they have to finish it. They have to finish it. And then they just go over their budget just to finish it quickly. Remember what we're saying is, it's not about finishing it quickly or finishing it at all. It's about the, the joy of the pursuit of getting them. And if you finish it, that's the bonus. That's the cherry on the top, basically. But, you know, take your time. It, and if it takes you two, three months longer or two, three years longer, so be it. it doesn't, there's no time limit. That's what's the fun thing about it. You have to restrain yourself and uh, practice massive patience. Don't go over your budget and say, oh, I, I can't take this. I want this finished now. You get it when you get it. <laughs> yeah. Last I checked, there's no deadline on the hobby, right? Right. right. Uh, that's what makes it fun. It's endless. It is. <laughs> and that's what makes projects fun too, right? Because again, they morph into something else. One project leads to another project. Some people might find that maddening. I find it exhilarating. Yeah. Uh, I find it exciting to be inspired, especially when I get inspired to do a project by watching other people or I see another card. I'm like, Oh my right. gosh. And I, I have to be careful. I, you know, I was at the Dallas show a couple weeks ago and I bought a Nolan Ryan autographed 300 win ticket, which is a very, very cool piece by the way. Yeah. And the guy also had a Dave Winfield 3000 hit club ticket, a Paul Molitor, a Ripken and a Tony Gwynn and a Robin Yount. 3000. So I'm thinking that's a and they were all <laughs> right. That's, that's a, me, a new project. And I'm like, okay, I have enough projects right now. So you have to, you do have to have, you have to show some restraint and some right. self-control to not just go off into these complete, uh, you know, diversions from what you're, and, and it's not that they wouldn't be cool. I just wasn't ready to commit myself to that whole, oh my gosh, if I go down this rabbit hole, I'm in deep trouble, right? But that is, that sounds like a fun project though. Getting uh, the game, yeah, game tickets of a, a milestone club, 3000 yeah. club or 500 Homer club. Yeah. It sounds like a totally badass project. That's a but, nice project. But it was just one I was in the moment like going, okay, Mike, maybe down the road. Uh, and I, I was afraid like, God, let's not, let's just not, let's just not, but you know, you're going to do it though. <laughs> maybe someday, maybe when I run it, when I get some other stuff completed, but 
The other thing is I've heard about guys that have started down a project road and they end up going, you know, I, I'm glad I did that, but I'm going to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell people out there to not, don't be afraid to go, you know, at one point I really enjoyed that. I'm going to shift gears and sell these cards or whatever to be able to fund my next project. That's okay too. Absolutely. Right. Don't feel like you're stuck. That's what I, I guess my point is. I don't want people to feel like, well, I've started this project. I've got to finish it or I'm a failure. Well, that's just not true either. No, Taste I, changed. I did the, uh, I started the 50 greatest slugger set six years ago and I took a break from it for two, two and a half years. And then this year I was like, I'm going to go back to that. It, it's something new that I've already been in. And I've been, I picked up six or seven cards this year for that set. So uh, you could take a break from it. You know, don't think that I'll, I'm tired of this. I'm going to do something else. It's okay to take a break from it, move on to something else, and then come back to it later. I came back to that set two and a half years later. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what would you say or kind of maybe just to maybe inspire some people to think about some projects? What are kind of your four or five favorite projects that you've either a ever, ever done and completed um, or B still working on now? Well, number one has always been the 300 set. That was the first set, just like you that I started after that is the uh, post-war rookie hall of fame set. Uh, after that, um, it's, it kind of spread. I would say the 50 greatest sluggers is my third favorite set. And then after that is, I would say, a player runs. Um, I did the Schmidt run and the Carlton run and the bench. I would say doing a player run is definitely uh, on the top five of my list now. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably go into a decade set, a Hall of Fame set. I think doing a Hall of Fame of a, of a year. I was going to do a year, and then I said, why don't I just do a whole decade? And that's fun, too. So those are probably my top five. I'm in so many other sets, uh, the top 50 home run, all-time home run sluggers and all-star cardboard memories and future Hall of Famer. That's actually another good one I like, too, because uh, it, it looks at, at current players or guys that maybe just retired that you can kind of get a jump on them uh, before they get in the Hall of Fame and they go through the roof even higher. Uh, so that's, uh, that's probably in my top five too, is a future hall of fame. So I would say player run is four and future hall of fame is five. I know another one that you're really fond of that maybe it doesn't crack your top five, but the top 80 car, another Mike Payne, you know, manifestation is top 80 cards. Now, I guess technically the top hundred cards of the 1980s. Yeah. Um, and that came out in a Beckett magazine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that came out uh, January 2019, and um, it has Dom Mattingly on the front cover, and it's issue number 154. So if anyone's trying to look for that, it was called the Top 80 of the 80s, and he expanded it to Top 100. It's issue 154, January 2019. Dom Mattingly's on the front cover. Pick it up. Yeah, and I, I know technically that's not vintage in the way I define it, or most people define it in the hobby. But it's you know that's a lot for a lot of us. That's mm-hmm. our prime time of collecting was the '80s, you know, and to go back and get cards from that era is just fun, nostalgic, fun. you know. 
I hope you guys are hearing a theme here that we enjoy doing projects, that we enjoy having projects to do and things to look forward to and to try to acquire um, and what those connections are. So um, I would say for me, my my favorite set is the 300 Great Cards by Mike Payne, mm -hmm. which same as you, mm -hmm. uh, just because there's so many great cards from 1900 to 1999. I mean, you got such a long yeah. period of hobby history represented. You've got the quirky and the iconic all mixed into one. And it's really just a fun set. Uh, I, and then I'm doing, of course, probably I have the world's craziest master PSA set registry of trying to get every tops and Bowman card of it, uh, that's pictures a hall of famer from 1950 through 1989. So I call it the four decade set. Cause each ironically on, on PSA, each decade is represented. There's, you can do each decade uh, individually, but I'm probably the only crazy person that's doing all four decades, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. And, you know, what's crazy is I'm already, you know, 75% complete, wow. uh, which is it's nuts. I mean, it's a mass. I thought when I first started doing, I'm like, I'll never, ever finish this. Like never, ever. I remember when you started it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm an idiot. This is never going to happen. Um, but, but, but when you said that we were, we both said what we're saying now, like when you said you're never going to finish it, who cares like how long it takes if it takes you 17 years 12 years yeah. it's you know it's totally. okay <laughs> that's yeah. the fun of it it's uh 2360 cards <laughs> wow um it's a mountain but i only need 606 more so i'm, I'm right at that's actually not bad no i need 600 more cards which yeah. I have, I've decided that the last card that I get for that project is going to be the 1952 tops mantle. Um, I just think that would be a nice cherry on top a of nice that. Cherry, absolutely. Oh, and by the way, that's a 300 great cards of the 20th century. It's a 250 sports cards. You know, it's just right. I love it. That's yeah. And you and I both love it when we can acquire a card that fits multiple projects because <laughs> Okay, I just knocked out one here and here and here and here, and I can yeah. check them all off the list and whatnot. That's always fun to do that too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, what we'll finish with this. We'll let everybody go. Thanks everybody for tuning in. But the last question I want to ask you is what advice would you give somebody, you know, if they're thinking, all right, these guys have talked me into doing a, some type of project. What's some basic advice you might give them? First off, pick out uh, a project that you can relate to it. You absolutely have to relate to it so that you'll enjoy it more. Don't just pick something out of value or potential value. You know, that's could be part of it, sure. But pick something that you're going to enjoy, whether it's something that it, your team won the World Series in a particular year and you want to get that team year, you know, uh, or something from your childhood or something from your twenties, pick out something that is, you can relate to it, that it's going to be fine. And uh, don't rush it. Take your time. 
and and enjoy it you know and that's the best advice i can give is to make sure that you can you can connect with that project and not just pick out a set because well this is a valuable set pick out something that's also valuable but also you can you can connect with it love it well ray also tell everybody where they can find you on various social media outlets well i'm on youtube uh, ray from philly is my channel and facebook ray from philly so they can find me there and see all my projects i've done over the years <laughs> yeah that's awesome uh i love that you take people on those journeys with you through those projects i think it's fun when i watch other people do projects too i'm, I'm going on the journey with them right yeah and wanting to see their progress and what did they pick up today and their excitement and joy and sharing in that with other people is, is super fun. And again, you and I share a lot of projects that we do to, that we both like, mm -hmm. and I know we're both super excited when another, like when I see you get a new card for a certain set, I'm all excited for you. And, um, you're probably not for me, but that's okay. Yeah, well, we've hooked each other up too with the the set. Like uh, you sent me a '66 Kofax, I sent you that '86 Fleer All Star Ripken. Yeah, we had dupes. Good. Yeah, and we were like, yes, <laughs> just yeah, if, another hole. Yeah, if you if we upgrade, right? We yeah. go, hey, I know you don't have this one. Do you do you want this as either a placeholder or or yeah. to just permanently live in your set? And yeah, yeah never a bad thing uh, yeah. to help each other out especially when you find like-minded individuals like we did, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. So everybody go check out Ray from Philly. If you don't know him, he is a YouTube hall of famer for sure. Inaugural class. And uh, Ray, I appreciate you being on the, being on the show today. Well, I appreciate being on Mike. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode. We will catch you guys soon. I promise I will try to be more consistent. Everybody. But for now, have a good one and keep collecting.